0: Everybody, and welcome to the Dave Juskow podcast presentation of Love Actually Live, performed at the Village Underground on Tuesday, December 19th at 8 p.m. Yes, it's our every three months live reading of whatever, and this time it happens to be the Christmas classic by writer and director Richard Curtis, Love Actually, which I have rewritten, because I don't think he did a good job. No, seriously, you know, I do the rewriting of all that stuff just uh, to have some fun, and we have the comedians and actors read them, and I think it went quite swimmingly. Obviously, this is the time where I tell you, uh, you know, of all the people I hate and have done a horrible job, but I think everybody really did a great job, uh, except for Dan Natterman again, who, you know, did, you know, a good job, but then for some reason, at one point, he starts doing Rodney Dangerfield. I don't know why, and, and it is awkward, uh, but other than that, I think everybody did a, a really great job. Let me give you a rundown of the cast list. We have Colin Smith on the guitar as usual. No known Dwarmen this year, or this, uh, this particular show, because he had an ear infection. So Colin Smith is our one-man band. He's a miracle. His singing voice is ridiculous. So he's a pleasure, and he uh, uh, sings. You can hear his singing on All You Need Is Love from the Beatles. And, of course, on God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. And also coming in when we have Mateo singing All I Want for Christmas, the Mariah Carey classic, which uh, was a rockin' good time. Seriously, a real showstopper. The crowd, you know, I can only relate to you, the crowd was totally into it. They were happy, they were singing, they were clapping and dancing around. Mateo went through the audience to open it up and, and start the show, just like in the movie. Well, she didn't go through the audience, but that's what he did, and it was really fun. Uh, Rick Chrome, as our usual narrator, had uh, a lot of trouble uh, for some reason. As, as always, a lot of it's my fault. I tend to write like I talk. I write run-on sentences. What are you going to do? But he's still is speaking voices. Terrific. Sophia Samrad, who is our British friend who was on the podcast last week, um, will be playing Natalie, Karen, and Mia. Now, I just am giving you a few. Where there's like 30 parts, and they'll be, they play other parts as well. I'm just giving you a few of the parts they play. Uh, Love actually doesn't have any last names, actually. They just go by things. So Natalie, we know who he is. She's with the Prime Minister, and Karen is... Uh, Alan Rickman's wife, and Mia is Alan Rickman's sex pot secretary. Those are three of the main characters Sophia plays. Mike Buschetti is back post-heart attack playing Rufus, which is the Rowan Atkinson role, and Colin, uh, which is the the guy that goes to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Of course, you've seen the movie before and meets the four ladies. Uh, Matteo Lane. Plays Sam, the little kid. Sam, Liam Neeson's uh, son, stepson. He also plays Stacy, uh, one of the girls in Milwaukee. And Joanna, the girl that sings the Mariah Carey song. Rachel Feinstein, our good friend, plays Aurelia. Jeannie, one of the American girls. And Judy, the naked girl uh, with uh, Martin... What is that, Martin Smith? who What's that guy's name from uh, The Office? Anyway... Uh, So Russ Meneve plays that part of John, uh, you know, when the two are being naked stand-ins. And also he plays Colin Firth, of course, because he is handsome, does a great job this time. Danny Natterman, like I said, plays the prime minister, does his usual job. And Bob De Bono plays the president of the United States. Once again, as he did in Greece, he plays, instead of doing Billy Bob Thornton, we decided to have him play Donald Trump because that's what he does best. And I think it worked out quite well Uh, just a couple of other notes since you can only hear it and you don't see it live there are some blank spots which I will just explain very quickly Uh, when I say blank I mean uh, there's a part where Karen you know gets the the, my favorite line as you'll hear me say when I'm doing the Alan Rickman oh that's the thing Um, I'm Dave Jessica I play the Alan Rickman part um, and Liam Neeson and uh, oh and yeah, that's Daniel and Harry, and doesn't, and then a bunch of other shit. And I also play Billy Mack at the beginning. I sing the song, and then I kind of cut him out. Um, I had to do a lot of cutting, and it still went long. But uh, when she's going around, when he d- gives her the CD and says to continue your emotional education, because I have to say that every five minutes, uh, she's walking around the stage, and she gets—I'm—I—I'm um, I, I, I'm afraid it's a spoiler alert—but she she gets a noose. And she's walking around the stage instead of walking around her bedroom and looking for a place to tie the noose. You can hear the audience laughing. Uh, It was, you know, I guess it was funny. Um, The part with Rufus, who is the guy who... Would you like it? Gift wrap, sir. 275 pounds. The scene with Alan Rickman and Rowan Atkinson. Obviously, you can't see that part. We had Buschetti try and mimic the scene where i had him at this case and he has the shovel and he's getting the flowers and putting it in the bag you can hear the audience laughing uh but you know you really have no idea what's going on i don't even remember what happened all i know is bachetti is hilarious and the audience seemed to like it and it might have also flopped i don't i don't know and the other part where it's kind of silent is where i'm holding the cards up as in the movie you know uh you know to me you are perfect Uh, let me say without hope or agenda that kind of stuff uh, I don't say it. I thought maybe I was going to have the Rick, the narrator say the lines because then you could have seen it because it, I was confused. I don't know how far back people could see it. People told me they could see it far back. But then I, don't, I also don't realize there's people on my right side and there's people on my left side and I had to keep turning the cards. So it was weird. So I think what I'm going to do is talk it through so you will be able to see or hear what the cards are saying. And uh, I don't know, you know, I mean, I could cut the whole thing out. But at this point, what's the difference, right? So I believe the audience had a really good time. It was a fun show to do. It was very Christmassy. It was, uh, it was fun. It was funny. I think people really liked it. And it, it was a, a nice holiday season classic to do. We had a great time doing it. And I just hope that you enjoy it as much listening to it as we did performing it for you. So without further ado, I think I've said everything you need to know ahead of time. This is the production of Love Actually at the beautiful Comedy Cellar Village Underground, performed December 19th, 2017, on a beautiful December holiday evening. Good night, folks. We'll see you next time on the Dave Just Nightfly Podcast.
1: Gentlemen, welcome to the Village Underground. Coming to the stage, Dave Juskow.
0: Hello, everybody. I smell chicken wings. And that makes me happy. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Love Actually. Woo! Woo! Oh, knock it off. How many people have actually seen the film? Oh, because the cast hasn't. Sorry but they haven't. It's really difficult to explain an entire movie to people. All right, let's just get off of that. I don't want to put everybody in a bad mood. Everything's fine. <laughs> it's going to be great, because it's Christmas time, and it's the last night of Hanukkah. Yay, Jews. Um, dun, dun, dun. No, in case the Holocaust happens, you just keep it down. Um, yeah, so, uh, boy, what a great night, huh? What a great night. Uh, by the way, uh, March 6th, it's already been scheduled to so good fellas starting Goodfellas, uh, just like we do Love Actually. Uh, It's a little odd uh, to go right to that, but yes, that's what we're going to do. That's the plan. And uh, welcome, everybody. Hello. I threw everybody off with the Goodfellas thing for some reason. I don't know. It's certainly... uh, I think we'll see more boys that day. So this is nice. Hello, ladies. (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is me. I'm not good. Uh, This is actually everybody's favorite portion of the evening when I do stand-up. Everybody loves it. And... uh, yeah, thank you. I know, I, I know. <laughs> I guess you guys have uh, seen my evening at the improv. So, uh, from 1992. Uh, I have the same material. And uh, that's why you haven't heard of me before, uh, except for these things. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, do the prepared material, because everybody loves it. And uh, people like to mock. As a matter of fact, last time, when we did Greece, how many of you saw Greece? It was uh, super fun. Uh-huh, okay. Okay. Um, Well, people don't care for the great American musical anymore, so that's uh, the way it is. But I know. But, um, yeah, I I did some uh, stand-up, and then uh, little Danny Natterman came up and uh, actually did stand-up, and my sister goes to her kids and says, see, now that's a real stand-up comedian. And uh, that was embarrassing for me. Um, But, uh, yeah, so... uh, I mean... uh, this morning, I had this great dream about uh, an extension being put onto my apartment, uh, like an extra bedroom. It was the greatest dream I ever had. And I was so, like, I didn't want to wake up. Like, I knew it was a dream, but it was like a section. It was like after the kitchen, and it was like a, you know, I overlook look brick wall, so it was a section where it was like a view. It was the best dream ever. Whereas I used to have dreams of having sex with women. Now I'm transitioning, apparently, to something else. This is, this is what I do. This is the material. I think I make it <laughs> bad on purpose. I saw Larry David host Saturday Night Live. I noticed he didn't have any punchlines either, so I'm like, well, that's he's good. So, um, What's up with football? I mean, I love football. You know, I got a good gambling problem, and I love football, and I like watching it. And, um, but, you know, it is kind of funny when you see these big, brooding guys, and they're just telling... All the time, that's all they do. If they're sitting there, there's a false start, or oh, they start pointing. That guy moved. That guy moved. And then if they get, he touched me. And I wasn't able to catch the ball because of it. That's what they do. <laughs> Wrong crowd. Um, know your audience. Know your audience. What's the matter with you? Speaking of Jewish people, you know, the... Uh, you know what? Uh... <laughs> You know what I don't understand is uh, why people do those uh, swab tests to find out your ancestry. Do You know, what are they called? What are they called? 23 and me? Yeah, that just sounds like answer. Dan, you know what? The time for you was last time. The 23 and, I don't know what that is. Chromosomes. Chromosomes. That sounds good. Has anybody done it? What are you? White, exactly. What do you think you were gonna find? You know, that's the thing. Why would you do, what, what, the worst thing that can happen, you find out, what well, you want to find out you're Jewish? Is that what you want to find out? I, don't, I went there, they have an actual stop by, you can go, they're like, you don't need to do it, we, I found out it was 101% Jewish. That's not, it doesn't even make, they were like, no, you're good. I'm like, what? Yeah, I, why would you want to find out? What happens if you find out you're Jewish? That's not good for anybody. Who would want to find that out? The only good thing that can come of that is finding out maybe you're Hispanic because it's good for a college application if you've got a kid, or um, find out maybe you're a quarter Cherokee might be able to get a land grant. Uh, but other than that, really the uh, it, the too high risk possibility to find out that you're some what what you just found out you were white and you already knew. Thirty percent, see now. You're with us. Congratulations. See? Not so great, is it? Or do you think it's great because you just don't... Hey, I'm Jewish. It's just wonderful. You have no idea what is in store for you now. And the... Uh, uh, it's horrible. I mean, it's great because it's Hanukkah. <laughs> Yay. Again, being Jewish and looking Jewish is so much fun. Um, I'm wearing this scarf today because I think Alan Rickman wore this in Love Actually, this outfit. Am I right or... Did I get it right? Yeah, so I'll just wear this throughout. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get the real comic up here, because uh, everybody likes when I bomb. Like I said, it's, it is kind of fun. And uh, But now i got somebody to actually really start off the show. He's fantastic. He's a really talented comic, and he's a professional. Ladies and gentlemen, please say hello to the lovely and talented Mr. Joe Mackey, everybody. Joe Mackey. Thank you, Joe.
2: Dave Jesko, everybody. Let him hear it. It is great to be here, gang. Some of you are seeing me for the first time. Thank you. Um, I know I have a higher-pitched voice than you're used to. I went to a Wendy's drive-thru. The person at the other end of the microphone thought I was female. Then I pulled around to pick up my Baconator, and he still called me (laughs) ma'am. And I didn't even correct him. I figured, well, what's worse, a a total stranger thinking I'm female when I'm male or or having to persuade another man that I'm also a man, I won't do it. I've had that conversation too many times. And I told that story to a female friend, and she said, well, what do you think is worse, a person thinking you're female when you're male or, or pregnant when you're not? And I said, well, both have happened to me. And neither felt very good. I don't know where that leaves us. I do a lot of traveling for stand-up. I was in Florida a couple weeks ago. I went to Disney World. One clap for Florida? That's about right. Um, It's a state full of of strip malls and highways and gated communities and pythons. Okay, that just brought the room to a, a crashing halt. I went to Disney World. There's a new thing at Disney World called the Fast Pass. That's where if you pay more, you can cut in line. But what they don't tell you is when you cut at amusement parks, it's overwhelmingly children that you're cutting in front of. So I bought one, went to the roller coaster, used my Fast Pass. And you know what? I enjoyed the cutting way more than any of the rides. <laughs> It got to the point I wouldn't even get on the rides. I would just go to the front of the line, then loop back around to enjoy cutting in front of more youngsters. At one point, a child said, Daddy, why can you go in front of us? And I said, I make more money than your father does. Your father's a failure. He said, that's the meanest pregnant lady I've ever seen, Daddy. Now we're really cooking with gas, gang. A lot of you didn't like that joke, that's okay. It's tough to know where the line is when you're a comedian because it's always changing. For instance, the word for developmentally disabled used to be moron. Then that became an insult, so they changed it to retarded. Then that became an insult, so they changed it to mentally challenged and now people use that as an insult. And if this trend continues, when people come up to me after shows and say, great job, buddy, You've got a super smile and a winning personality. I replied, take it back, you son of a bitch. In case that means something different now and I just haven't caught up. I was at a bar the other day and a fella thought I was looking at his girlfriend. He said, if you do that again, I'm gonna tear you a new asshole. And there's no right answer in that scenario. So I just said, good, then I'll have two assholes. And I ran as fast as I could. People say you can't run from your problems, but that's not true. If your problem is location-related, you should try running. Or you might wind up with a second asshole. I do worry about crime. That's why I sleep with a bat under my bed. If my apartment's ever burgled, the person who robs me will have a free bat after he shoots me in the head. That was dark. Sorry about that. Um, Instead of carrying mace, I carry Axe body spray. Much cheaper, far more effective. A guy tried to mug me, and I sprayed him. He's like, what is that? I'm like, ripped abs. He's like, it's disgusting. I'm like, yep, and everyone's going to think you're a douchebag now. Uh, It's a weird time in the world, though. It's tough to be a human... People are very judgmental. I was watching TV with a friend of mine and an actor apologized for something. My friend said he only apologized because he got caught. And I said, exactly. That's how apologies work. If you apologize before you get caught, it's a confession. That's a totally separate thing. Are people screwed up the timing? Is that what the problem is? Honey, I'm sorry I cheated on you. What the hell are you talking about? Forget I said any of that. (laughs) Gotta be careful, a lot of mental illness out there. A lot of people think I have autism. I know that because they tell me they think I have autism. (laughs) A friend said, Joe, I think you have autism. It's like you have no idea how to talk to other adults. And I said, I don't think that's true. I know you're not supposed to tell other adults. I think you have autism. but maybe he has autism and that's why he said that. (laughs) You just gotta be careful because it's easy to say the wrong thing. A buddy and I were talking, a friend comes up and he confided in us that he's suffering from depression. My friend said, well, why don't you just try to be happier? I'm like, well, that's a weird thing to say because you wouldn't say something like that to a person with a different kind of mental illness. You'll never hear someone say to someone with schizophrenia, why don't you just try to only see the people that are there? Heck, I've made mistakes myself. A lady I know said, Joe, I'm anorexic, and the less I eat, the more people think I'm beautiful. And I said, well, that's true, but don't do that. I say you got to laugh when you can, gang. It's a dark and depressing world. So whenever you have an opportunity, no matter how dark or depressing, you've got to laugh. Even if you think it's in poor taste of the comedy show, like this next joke, you've got to laugh. <laughs> a friend and I were talking about what we'd do if we had a time machine. He said he would go back in time and murder baby Hitler to prevent World War II, and for most people, that's where the thought ends. But I started to think what would happen if I went back and murdered baby Hitler, but oh my time machine broke. Wouldn't everyone there be like, What the hell did you do that for? And I'm like, you're never going to believe this. I'm from the future. But even if I did successfully murder baby Hitler, couldn't baby Reichsfuhrer Himmler? Or baby propaganda minister Goebbels also do something bad? I mean, just to be on the safe side... I'm probably going to have to smother 70 or 80 of those babies. I mean, they're all German babies. They're going to look similar. I don't want to make two trips. Hey, are you guys ready for a great show? Get those hands and claps. We're going to bring Dave back up.
0: Thank you, Joe. Joe Mackey, everybody. Yeah. Yes. Yes, the lovely Joe Mackey. Um... All right. So I guess uh, without further ado, we will continue this journey into doing something, you know, what are you going to do? It's, uh <laughs> you know, you're, you're taking a chance. Uh, this, is a, this is an interesting one. You know, there's lots of people going on and off stage. There's lots of little vignettes. So people are on a lot. Of, you know, we're playing a lot of different characters. People come off. People go on. We're all carrying scripts. And sometimes people are playing the same part in the same scene, so hopefully they'll switch microphones and you'll figure it out. But I guess in the end everything will be delightful. <laughs> I'm already using my British accent already. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, this is uh, love action. I don't think there's any other thing. What are you doing? Alright, it's Rick Chrome, everybody. Our narrator. Know. Yes. Rick Chrome. Rick Chrome from the new movie The Post. Yes. Yes.
3: They Steven cut Spielberg, me this up.
0: guy's working with Steven Spielberg, and now he's doing this. It's the
3: same money, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, yes,
3: absolutely.
0: Uh, I'm going to be playing 18 different parts, so not to bring the whole show down before it begins. Uh, is there more
3: line over here? Cause
0: I'm playing Daniel and Harry, I'll just tell you that for now. Everybody has first names in this show. You probably don't even realize when you're watching the movie, they're all, they all have just first names, except for uh, Colin Firth seems to have a last name. Does anybody know what it is? No, well, yes. Well, Is that the Jewish girl? Are you making trouble already? See? It's not so great, is it? Um, all right. I'm just, she's not really Jewish. We don't count her as one of us. Um, okay, so this is Colin Smith, everybody. Just came back from Mother Russia, and he's playing with us today. He's amazing, and he is our band. <laughs> yep. Let me introduce everybody else. Playing Natalie, Karen, and Mia, Please welcome from DCW 50, the lovely Sophia Samrad, everybody. (laughs) Look at her. Yes, yes. Can you even say that anymore in this day and age? Playing Rufus and Colin (laughs) from the Artie Lang Show. It's Mike Bichetti, It's every If he can get up, look at him. He almost makes... Oh, oh, he's... Oh, he made it. He made it. Every... is an adventure. Every time. Um, Okay, playing the President of the United States from Comedy Central. It's Bob DeBono, everybody. Sometimes it's hard to get out of those seats. He's here. Uh, playing Sam, Stacy, and Joanna from The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. It's Matteo Lane. It's everybody's yeah. favorite. Yes, he'll be singing this evening. Mm. Playing Aurelia, Jeannie, and Judy from the movie Trainwreck and Last Comic Standing, it's Rachel Feinstein. Yeah. Everybody's favorite. Love when she does the accents. Playing Jamie and John from The Tonight Show, please welcome the Ray handsome Russman Obviously playing the Colin Firth part. And playing the Prime Minister of Great Britain from Comedy Cellar Radio Show on Sirius XM, it's little Danny Natterman! Yay. Yay. I got everybody, right? Everybody. There's nobody sitting over there that I haven't mentioned, right? That's I'm just a, making where's sure of my uh, math. Well, I said Bob Devona. Oh, where is he? Eh, what are you going to... Oh. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, okay, so uh, let's begin uh, Love Actually and... Um, You know, we'll see how it goes. (laughs) That's
3: all I can give you. It is November in beautiful, romantic London, England. Christmas is a very important time in London, as it is an old, extremely celebrated holiday custom with no whining from those pesky Jews. Here's Sophia, the only actual Brit in the cast, to read the opening voiceover.
4: Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. Seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. Before the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, None of the phone calls from people on board were messages of hate and revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaking suspicion you'll find that love actually is all around.
3: So there it is, folks. We were able to mention the film title, Jews and 9-11, in the first 30 seconds of the show. Oh, well done. This is Love Actually. <laughs>
0: I feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my toes, feel it in my
5: toes,
0: love is all around me,
3: and so the story goes. We are in a recording studio with the legendary songster Billy Mack. His forever manager, and Portly Joe, has just hit the pause button on the recording to speak to his client.
1: I'm afraid you did it again, Bill.
3: (laughs) I I know old version so well, you know.
1: Well, we
0: all do. That's why we're making the new version. Right, uh, okay, let's go. I feel it in my fingers. I feel feel it in in my soul. Oh fuck, but I don't wake a shit out of there Fuck Start again <laughs> I feel it in my fingers I feel, I feel it in, it in, in my toes. toes I feel it in my toes Christmas all around me And so the feeling grows Come on and let it snow. Come on and let it snow.
3: Oh, this is shit, isn't it?
6: It's all gold shit, maestro
3: There are five weeks left until Christmas. Meet Jamie Bennett, who we'll just refer to as Colin Firth. <laughs> he is furiously looking around for something as it is late for as he is late for a wedding while his ridiculously hot wife is sick in bed. God, I'm so late.
7: He's just around the corner. He'll make it. Go on now.
8: You sure you don't mind me going without you?
7: No, not really. Go on. Get the fuck out of here. Uh, Off you go. (laughs) Just feeling rotten, that's all. I love you. I know. Yes, yes.
8: I know? Who are you, Harrison Ford? Should I be worried? Because I love you even when you're sick and look disgusting.
7: I know. I've heard it before. If I was teeming with AIDS, you'd still love me. (laughs) Right. Now, go on, or actually, we all miss it. Come on.
8: That I mentioned that I love you.
7: Yes, you sure did cover that. Get out. You profound loser. Get out, go. All
8: right, all right, all right. I'm just saying, I notice you haven't actually said you love me back.
7: Uh, yeah, I suppose that's true. Mm-hmm.
3: Foreshadowing? Hmm. Let's move on to the Liam Neeson story. <laughs> Daniel, or Huge Schlong as he's often referred to, <laughs> is sitting at his computer and cannot concentrate. He decides to call Karen, played by Emma Thompson, not Emma Watson, even though they were both in Harry Potter.
0: Karen, it's me again. Sorry, I literally don't have anyone else to talk to.
4: Absolutely. Horrible moment right now, though. Can I call back? Of course. Doesn't mean I'm not terribly concerned that your wife just died.
0: Understood. Bugger off and call me later.
4: (laughs) Oh, And also, I guess this part isn't eerie enough for you, since your actual wife in real life is going to die six years from now. Crazy, right? What? Call you later.
3: That's cold, yo. (laughs) Now we cut to a film studio. God knows what movie they're making, but some stand-ins, Jack and Judy, are pretending to have sex from behind in their clothes. Judy looks at her watch. By the way, he introduced me as John, but everyone calls me Jack.
7: Oh, fine. Nice to meet you, Jack. He got me right, though. I'm just Judy. That's all. Great. Just Judy. Okay. Ram me. What? Oh, yeah? Yeah? You know that? Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Nothing.
7: How you doing? How you doing? Sorry. And
3: now we cut to a church. <laughs> We're standing together, our Andrew Lincoln Um Chitwital Egeophore. Yeah! (laughs) Who are renamed, thank God, Peter and Mark. (laughs) I just don't want to have to keep saying Chitwital Egeophore all (laughs) night. Is that how it is? So no surprises? No surprises. Not like the stag night?
0: Unlike the stag night.
5: You admit the prostitutes were a mistake? I do. And it wouldn't be much better if they had not turned
3: out to be men? That is true. Good luck, kiddo. Well, as it turns out, Peter is getting married. Yes, we soft focus onto a gorgeous bride walking down the aisle. Apparently, no one in the theater was shocked to see it was a white woman that Peter was marrying, except Dave Juskow, whose mindset resides in 1975. (laughs) But what is shocking is that it clearly is a workday, as all other cutscenes as the other cutscenes have shown. What are these idiots doing getting married on a Monday morning? I insist on logic in my romantic comedies. Anyway, we move away from the wedding to 10 Downing Street, home of the newly elected Prime Minister.
7: Welcome, Prime Minister.
1: Uh, How
3: you doing, sweetie?
7: (laughs) How are you feeling?
1: Cool and powerful.
7: (laughs) Would you like to meet your household staff and peasants?
1: Oh, would I? (laughs) I mean, uh... Yeah, I would like that very much indeed. Anything to put off actually running the country, you know.
7: <laughs> oh, sir, you are a hoot. <laughs> uh, oh, I know. There is, uh, here is Terrence here. He's in charge. Good morning,
1: sir. Hey, I had an Uncle Terence. Never cared for him, never cared. I think he raped little girls. <laughs> but you seem okay. How am I doing?
7: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my. Rape. Oh, well, hmm, yes.
1: This is Pat. Hey, Pat, you're all right. How you doing? Good morning. I'm the housekeeper. <laughs> ah, the housekeeper, good, good. You know I make a duty every morning at eight. Have the baby wipes ready. It is going all right.
7: <laughs> and this is Natalie. She's new like you.
1: Hey, whoa! Hey, whoa. Hey. We're quite a big one, huh?
4: Hello, David. I mean, sir, shit, I can't believe I just said that. And now I've gone to say shit twice. I'm so sorry, sir.
1: Yeah, well, that's just fine. I just talked about taking one. And you could have said fuck and we'd have been in real trouble.
4: Thank you, sir. I did have an awful premonition I was going to fuck up on my first day. Oh, piss it.
7: (laughs) Right, well, you have your sleeves, so um, I'll get my things and then let's fix the country, shall we?
1: Sounds like a
3: plan. The Prime Minister walks alone into his new office, shuts the door and says, Hubba hubba, that Natalie is hot. Well, I hope I can keep it in my pants for
1: a few weeks at least.
3: And speaking of duty. Ew. The church. Daytime. We know now that clearly this wedding is taking place on a Monday morning. It has to be. Everyone's at work. The prime minister just started his job. Why would he start it on a Saturday or a Sunday? This is really starting to bother me.
5: In the presence of God, Peter and Juliet have given their consent and made the marriage vows to each other. They've declared the marriage by the giving and receiving of rings. I therefore proclaim that they are now husband and wife.
3: Peter and Juliet are married, and for some reason Colin Firth and Laura Linney are there to see it. How do they all know each other? We don't know. Why didn't Laura Linney, why didn't her annoying phone ring during the ceremony? Oh, there it is. So many questions. All of a sudden, a chorus is revealed, and they begin to sing, as apparently Mark has put a crazy surprise together to really make Peter look foolish, if you think about it. Oh, snap.
6: Love, love, love. Love,
5: love, love Love, love,
0: love Love, There's nothing you can do that can't be done There's nothing you can sing that can't be sung
6: There's nothing you
0: can sing but you can learn how to play the game
6: It's easy
0: There's nothing you can make that can't be made nothing you can save that can't be saved There's nothing you can do but you can learn how
6: to be you in time It's easy
0: Can see that it's the show.
3: back to Jamie's house after the wedding. Unfortunately, he runs into his brother as he walks to the door. Hello! What the hell are you doing here?
8: Well, I, I just popped over to borrow some old CDs. Oh, the lady of the house let you in, did she? Yeah. yeah. Oh, lovely obliging girl. You say that again. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I thought I'd pop back before the reception to see if she was better. After all, you know how much I love her. I was just saying it so much before I left the house. Yep. You know what they say, love, love, love. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Great gal, great gal.
7: <laughs> Hurry up, big boy, I'm naked, and I want you to ramrod me twice before Jamie gets home. I'm already making my fuck sounds for you. I am, I am, what? Yeah. <I-a? laughs> but Why no a- more anal. I've already had two <laughs> healthings of anal, and I think it's making me sick.
8: Why do I get cheated on in every movie I do with Hugh Grant? <laughs> Just once, I'd like to play the guy, the cheat or whatever you call that. Ugh.
3: We cut to the reception after this Monday afternoon wedding. Everyone is dancing and drinking as we meet one of the caterers, Colin Frissell. We catch him while he's on break in the kitchen seeking girl advice from his friend Tony. We never, we're never really sure why Tony is sitting in the kitchen, stands only to play devil's advocate to Colin. I guess he doesn't have much else to do in the movie, but he does get to make out with Denise Richards at the end, so who's not taking that role?
9: I've worked out. Why can't I find true love? Why is that? It's English girls. They're stuck up. But I'm primarily attracted to girls who are cooler and game for a laugh. Like American girls. So I should just go to America. Gotta get a girl from there instantly. What do you think? I think it's crap, Colin. No, that's where you're wrong. American girls would sincerely dig me. With my cute British
0: accent. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have a cute British accent.
9: (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Hello, governor. I'm going to America, land of Matt Lauer and Wendy's.
0: Colin, you're a lonely, ugly asshole, and you must accept it.
9: Never. I am Colin, god of sex. I'm just on the wrong continent. That's all. Hey, we're all gonna get laid.
3: We cut to the film studio where John and Judy are in the bedroom and waiting for their stand-in scenes to begin so they are just awkwardly chatting. Boy, the traffic today was just...
7: Unbelievable.
0: Judy, could you take your top off this time? Lighting and camera need to know when we're actually going to see the nipples and when we're not.
3: (laughs) Well, looky here. It's our friend Tony from earlier. Apparently, he's a porn director, or whatever it is they're doing in this film. Stand-ins or no stand-ins, the whole movie seems sketchy. And this Tony guy is a bit two-faced, telling his friend he won't make it in America when he's off shooting a porno. Weak, Tony. Real weak.
7: <laughs> yes, okay, right. Well, it's, um, at least it's nice and, and warm in here,
0: isn't it?
8: Absolutely. Isn't always the case. I was standing for Brad Pitt once on Seven Years in Tibet. Bloody freezing.
0: Oh, sorry, guys. Time's pretty tight, and we have to get the actors
8: in. Jesus, man. Relax. Fine. I promise I won't look much. <laughs>
0: uh, and Jerry says if you could just put your hands on her
8: breasts. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I'm talking about. You're okay, <laughs> Tony. I mean, uh, is that all right?
7: <laughs> oh, yes, of course. You can hypothetically put your hands on my cans anytime.
0: Yes. <laughs> Go ahead. I'll warm them up. Oh, and massage them, please.
7: (laughs) What kind of movie is this? My agent told me it was Mary Poppins' remake.
8: Oh, there's going to be some poppin'. But it'll be Mary. I don't
7: want to be a godless whore. What?
8: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Junction 13, that's just murder, isn't it? Total gridlock this morning.
3: Back at the church again. But this time, it's for a funeral. Director Richard Curtis must have saved a fortune using that church for multiple scenes. Brilliant! (laughs) It's Liam Neeson's wife's funeral, and the first time we meet his son, Sam, who looks obviously depressed, but of course we find out later he was only depressed about that girl he likes, not so much for his mom. British (laughs) folks are hilarious. (laughs) Daniel gets up in front of the crowd, ready to speak.
0: Joe and I had a lot of time to prepare for this moment. Some of her requests, for instance that I should bring Claudia Schiffer as my date to the funeral. (laughs) What are you all laughing at? When she first mentioned what's about to happen, I said, over my dead body. And she said, no, Daniel, over mine. (laughs) What the hell's the matter with you people? (laughs) And then I said to the doctors in her care, I don't know what your deal is, but like you, I also have a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my wife live, that'll be the end of it. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. And you know what this doctor's answer was? Good luck. You believe this guy? Anyway, now let's step it up a bit with a classic going all the way back to 1975. Please enjoy this from the Bay City Rollers as I carry my wife's coffin to her grave. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y-9. 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 S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y-9.
3: Four weeks until Christmas, back to 10 Downing Street, where the freshman prime minister is having a tough time of it with his advisors.
1: All right, what's next? What's next? The
3: president's visit.
1: Of the United States? He's coming here? Oh, God, what's the plan?
0: There's a strong feeling in the party we mustn't allow ourselves to be bullied from pillar to post like the last government. This is our first really important test. Let's take a stand.
1: Yeah, sure, a stand, right. Uh, I understand that, but I've decided not to. Not this time. We will, of course, try to be clever, but let's not forget that America is the most powerful country in the world. However, that being said, are we really worried about Obama bullying us around? I mean, come on, guys, seriously. Mr. Prime Minister,
0: Obama is no longer the president. What do you mean, no longer?
3: Well, who is? As the Prime Minister is told the news, we cut to a wide shot of Earth from space. (laughs) As we hear the Prime Minister yell...
1: No! Oh, God, why wasn't I told... I who in the hell do you have to fuck around here to get a cup of tea and a biscuit?
3: <laughs> Natalie enters, right on cue, with everyone staring at her.
4: What? what I say?
3: We cut to later that day in the Prime Minister's office. Here, come in.
4: These are just come through from the Treasury, and these are for you.
3: Excellent. Thanks a lot.
4: I was hoping you'd win. Not that I wouldn't have always been nice to you, or the other bloke. I've always been giving him the boring chocolates.
1: Hey, you're all right, you know.
3: Hmm, Natalie exits as the Prime Minister talks to himself.
1: Hey, am I crazy? This girl is totally coming on to me. I'm right, am I right? Let's see, the line in the movie is, Come on, get a grip. You're the Prime Minister, for God's sakes. When the line could also completely read, Hey, you're the Prime Minister, for God's sakes. You know what I'm talking about.
3: (laughs) We cut back to the film studio, and the handsome Russ is on the floor, and Judy is on top of him as they are pretending to hump. So what do you reckon to our new Prime Minister?
7: Oh, I like him. I can't understand why he's not married, though. Maybe a bit of a David Justo type.
8: <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, you know the type. Married to his job, either that or gay as a picnic basket. Uh, Judy, if you could just lower the nipples and cheat them a bit to the left. Dude! Jesus! I have to say, Judy, this is a real pleasure. It's great to find someone I can actually uh, chat to.
7: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> now, be a man and give it to me good. That's right. Punish me. Go on now
3: come again? We cut to Colin's van. I guess he's picking up Tony from a hard day at work, telling people to rub nipples and stuff.
9: Exciting news. What? I bought a ticket to the States. I'm off in three weeks. No! Yes. To a fantastic place called Wisconsin. No! Yes, Wisconsin, babes. Here comes Sir Colin.
0: No, there are a few babes in America, I grant you, but they're already going out with rich, attractive guys. You better bring a shitload of weed.
9: Not nah, Tony, not nah, Tony. You're just jealous. You know perfectly well that any bar anywhere in America contains ten girls more beautiful, and more likely to have sex with me than the ones in Staten Island or the United Kingdom. It's total bollocks. You've actually gone mad now. No, I'm wise. Stateside, I'm Prince William. What Without no. the weird family. No, Colin, no. Yes. Nit. Da. Neen. Ja, darling.
3: We cut to... We cut to... Somebody fired the dialect coach.
0: So I don't know Jeremy. I tried. Sorry.
3: We cut to Alan Rickman's office, who is the managing director of a design agency. At the moment, he is planning a Christmas party with his new sexpot secretary, Mia. All right, the
0: Christmas party, not my favorite night of the year. You're... Thank you. I've been working at it for years. Not my favorite night of the year, and your unhappy job to organize. Okay, tell me. SpaceX really. Find a venue, over-order on the drinks. Bulk, by the guacamole, advise the girls to avoid Kevin if they want their breasts unfundled.
4: Wives and family and stuff?
0: Uh, I mean, not children, but wives and girlfriends, etc. Oh, Christ, you haven't got some horrible 6 foot tight T-shirt-wearing boyfriend you'll be bringing, have you? Because if you did, I mean, I would really hate, unless of course he's just silly handsome, then I don't know, I mean, maybe I could learn to like him, we could hang out and stuff, but I don't know. This is...
4: No, I'll just be hanging around the mistletoe, hoping to be kissed.
0: Really? Oh, right, oh, my god, this office is worse than the film studio, they're fake fucking in the last scene.
3: <laughs> Where in the hell is HR? We're back at 10 Downing Street. Hugh Grant is about to Harvey Weinstein it up on Natalie. Hey, Natalie.
4: Sir? Hey,
1: Natalie, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable about us working in such close proximity every day and me knowing so little about you. Seems us the wrong, and I was wondering if you'd like to watch me take a shower.
6: <laughs> Excuse me?
1: <laughs> I run a good tummy for Laura Linney's annoying phone ring. Uh, you were say?
4: Well, there's not much to know.
1: Well, where do you live, for instance?
4: Wandsworth, the dodgy end.
1: Hey, my sister lives in Wandsworth, so which exactly is the dodgy end?
4: At the end of the I Street, Aris Street, near the Queen's Head.
3: Oh yeah, that is dodgy. Is it, though? He says his sister lives there, and obviously, later in the film, when he goes door to door, everyone's answering their doors without even looking through the peepholes to see who it is. (laughs) Plus, I looked it up, and that same house at the dodgy end is worth 1.1 million (laughs) pounds. You know who's Dodgy. Your mom, in your face. (laughs) Uh, You live with uh, your husband? Oh, Christ, you haven't got some horrible
1: six-foot tight t-shirt wearing boyfriend you'll be bringing around. Have you, with three illegitimate but charming children?
3: Yes, that's the line Alan Rickman says earlier to his secretary, but it's basically the same scene, isn't it? I just blew everybody's mind.
4: No, I've just split up with my boyfriend, so I'm back with my mom and dad for a
1: while. Oh, really, no boyfriend, huh? Well, I'll just press this secret button under my desk to lock the doors and... Uh... <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to hear that.
4: No, it's fine. I'm well shot of him. He said I was getting fat. Beg your pardon? He said no one's going to fancy a girl with thighs the size of big tree trunks. Not a nice guy, actually, in the end.
1: Yes, well, I'll stop you when I disagree with something you say.
4: <laughs> Sir?
3: Natalie leaves and the Prime Minister is embarrassed and speaks to the picture of Margaret Thatcher on his wall. Hey, did you have this kind of problem? Of course you did, you slut. <laughs> <laughs> we now cut to Liam Neeson's ridiculously spacious living room with the kid.
0: So what's the problem, kid? Are you being
3: bullied? Because if you
0: are, I'll be make sure those kids realize who they're dealing with.
5: Well, the joke is I'm in love, and <laughs> There's just nothing I can do about it. What?
0: That's it? I thought it was something worse. Because we know how to take care of bullies where I come from.
5: Well, it's worse than the total agony of being in love. Alright, relax,
0: drama queen. And what does she, he feel about you?
5: He? And he doesn't even know my name! I just know I love Cock. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, let's see how cool a dad you be when you are uh, a big phony.
0: Uh-huh. You got me there, chump. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Just as long as she's not black. What the...
6: <laughs>
0: no, I'm fucking with you now, tough guy.
6: <laughs>
3: Three weeks until Christmas. Uh-oh. We cut to the art gallery run by The Walking Dead guy... Who is talking on the phone to the guy from Twelve Years a Slave? Who is on the phone with the girl from Bend It Like Beckham? I just got Juliet on the other line. Can I patch you through? She
5: wants to ask you for a favor. Okay, fine. Uh, thanks, and uh, please be nice. How dare you? I'm always nice. You know what I mean, Marky. Be friendly.
0: I'm always friendly to that horrible wife of yours. Mark? No, oh, I, I didn't know you were picking up so soon. I, <coughs> I was talking about his ex-wife, of course, which you would know if you... Uh, did, how was the honeymoon?
4: It was great. Thanks for the gorgeous send-off.
0: Did you guys have lots of sex, or was he not able to get it going? Please what? tell me it's the latter.
4: What? You're hilarious.
0: Oh, God, I wish a zombie would just kill me right now. What, what, what can I do for you?
4: It's only a tiny favor. I just tried the wedding video, and it's a disaster. It's come out all blue and wibbly.
0: Maybe you should have married someone else.
4: (laughs) Again, hilarious. However, I remember you filming a lot. And I wondered if I could take a look at it.
0: Oh, no. Look, to be honest, I I didn't really... uh, uh, you know.
4: Please, all I want is one shot of me in a wedding dress that isn't turquoise. I destroyed all
0: the film. Good day.
3: Phew. I think she bought it.
0: Hello, I'm still here. Damn it. Which part of good day didn't you understand?
3: We are back at the Fair Trade office where things between Alan Rickman and his secretary are really heating up. Uh, how's the Christmas party going?
4: <laughs> Good. I think I found a venue. friend of mine works there.
0: Oh, what's it like?
4: Good. Good. It's an art gallery full of dark corners for doing dark deeds.
0: <laughs> y- Yipes. <clears throat> right. Well, I suppose I should take a look at it or something. You should. You should close your legs now.
4: Oh, did I do that again? Well, my vag <laughs> has a mind of its own. What are you going to do? Am I right?
1: <laughs> hey, Mr. President, come through. I'm sorry your wife couldn't make it, by the
10: way. Look, it's no big deal. She would have been pretty lonely, let me tell you. yeah,
1: Pathetic, huh? Just never been able to tie a girl down, you know? Not sure that politics and dating
10: go hand in hand. Excuse me, excuse me. I never found that. All you have to do is grab them by the pussy. That's all you gotta do. And that teaches him who's boss. That I can tell you.
1: You're all beautifully tanned and stuff, whereas I look like my Aunt
10: Mildred. Look. Very jealous of your plane, by the way. Thank you. Look, we love the plane. Beautiful plane. We love the plane. Unbelievable. <laughs> You can get so laid with our plane, it's unbelievable. But you should get one, except I heard your economy totally sucks. That is why America is the greatest. Everything is going so well under my watch, that I can tell you. So, uh, thank you. So, good people, good people. Good the people, prime... right over there, good people. The Prime Minister
3: brings the President inside and runs into Natalie. Hey, that's the girl I like.
10: And hey, Natalie, hi. Morning. How's your day going so far? Excellent. Look, my goodness, that's a pretty look, good-looking son of a bitch. I got to tell you. You see those pipes? Unbelievable. That line is not on Trump. It's actually from the movie. <laughs> yeah, she's terrific at her job. Excuse me. I you to be to politically correct with me, or what? I thought you were scamming on her too.
1: Well, I am, but I wouldn't say scamming. I mean, I, I uh, love actually, might love her. So it's different. Am I right?
10: All I have to say is, Puerto Rico is a very, very dumb city. That I can tell you. (laughs) Good boy.
3: We cut to a small meeting room at 10 Downing Street. The president, the prime minister, and Alex, his head cabinet member, are in a heated meeting.
0: No, absolutely not. We cannot and will not consult on that
10: either. This is unexpected. Well, look, it shouldn't be, okay? The last administration made it perfectly clear. They were absolutely horrible. Total train wreck. Policies clearly put in by illegal immigrants, Mexicans. What? I thought we were talking about arms negotiations. We're talking about very bad hombres, that I'm telling you.
0: I'm confused of what we're talking about. You're confused.
10: Anything you I feel. What are you doing now, Mr. President? Actually, I'm tweeting. Hang on a second. Wait, let's see. I think all British people might be gay. <laughs>
0: Why would you write that?
10: He keeps asking me why I would write that. Actually, it sounds like, do you like gay sex? That's what it sounds Mr. like. Mr.
0: President,
1: this is most infuriating. Right, thanks, Alex. I don't think we're making progress here. Let's, uh, let's move on, huh?
3: The Prime Minister and the President give each other a glaring stare. We move to later that day, <laughs> where the President and Prime Minister are having a private moment in the study. Well, that was an interesting day.
10: Look, I'm sorry if our line was firm, but there's no point in tiptoeing around today. Than just disappointing you for four more years. I have plans and I'm going to see them through. That I can tell you.
1: Yeah, you got plans, all right, and they're terrifying the planet.
10: You mean making it a lot better, okay?
1: Your immigration laws are insane, your cabinet's a disaster, and your children are out of control.
10: Yes, but you can't deny it's unbelievably entertaining, right? Yeah. Unbelievably entertaining. <laughs> we love it. Unbelievable.
1: Well, there's there's one final thing to look at. It's very close to my heart. Just give
10: me a second. Look, I'll give you anything you ask for, as long as it's not something I want to give you.
3: Oh, brother. Hugh Grant runs to his office to fetch the papers he wants to show the president, and runs into Natalie and gives her a hearty hello. Hello! How you doing? Natalie's like, what was that all about? And then heads into the study with drinks for the president. Hugh gets his papers and walks back to the study where the door has now been closed. As he opens the door, the president is grabbing Natalie like Al Franken at a USO show. Busted.
10: Hang on a second. She came on to me, okay? And by the way, this is Great Scratch.
4: uh, He was... uh... Look,
10: look, excuse me. I'm automatically attracted to beautiful women. Everybody knows it. And I just start kissing them. It's like an unbelievable magnet. I don't even have to wait. And when you are a star or you're a president of the United States, they let you do it. Unbelievable. And you can do anything. Grab them by the pussy, stick your finger in their butt, do whatever the hell you want. I heard you say that to Billy Bush. By the way, that's fake news. Never happened, okay? It's on tape. Look... You can say whatever you want, okay? It's all about the pussy for me. Everybody knows it. Am I right? Natalie, look at her. She loves it. Natalie, I hope to see much more of you as our countries work toward a better future. That's what I want to do.
4: Oh, that last line must be from the actual script. Because I don't think you'll be able to come up with a real political end line like that on your own.
10: Billy's last name is Bush.
3: (laughs) It's funny, right? The president and prime minister once again evilly stare each other down. But the Prime Minister has trouble looking directly into the President's eyes because his tan is completely distracting. <laughs> the President and Prime Minister move into the conference room where the press is waiting for a televised statement from both world leaders. Hey, Peter, yeah, what's up?
10: Mr. President, has it been a good visit? First of all, I'm only giving statements to the Penthouse Magazine correspondent.
1: <laughs> Penhouse Magazine, what decade is this?
10: I'd say the visit was very satisfactory, indeed. I almost got what I came for, if you get my drift. And our special relationship is still very, very special. And if by special, you mean retarded. Prime Minister?
1: I love that word, relationship. Covers all manner of sins, doesn't it? I fear that this has become a bad relationship. A relationship based on the president taking what he wants and casually ignoring... All those things that really matter to Great Britain. We may be a small country, but we're a great country. The country of Shakespeare, Churchill, the Beatles, Marty
6: Feldman.
1: (laughs) Warwick Davis, Liam Neeson's right testicle. Liam Neeson's left testicle, come to think. And a friend who bullies us is no longer a friend. And since bullies only respond to strength from now onward, I will be prepared to be much stronger, and the president should be prepared.
10: Mr. President, what do you make of that? Excuse me, Puerto Rico is recovering perfectly. (laughs) And quicker than expected, that I can tell you. You're welcome. What are you talking about? It's a disaster. Hey, you worry about your territories, I'll worry about mine, okay? Maybe you better pay more attention to Guam. That's your territory, too. Well, then the U.S. Virgin Islands, then, okay? Not only
1: is that your territory, but it has U.S. in the title.
10: Well, then we can at least agree that having an island with the word virgin is absolutely hilarious. That I could tell you, right? Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful.
3: Uh, you got
1: me
10: there. Bazinga. Got him.
3: Everyone is all abuzz about the Prime Minister's speech letting the cocky President of the United States really have it. Then we find out that it looks like Emma Thompson's character is Hugh Grant's sister. So, she gives him a call while she's at her home with Alan Rickman. I am very busy and important. How can I help you?
1: Have you gone completely insane? Me? Have you met this guy? Oh dear, it's the Chancellor on the line.
4: No, it isn't.
1: I'll call you back.
4: No, you won't. The trouble with being the Prime Minister's sister is that it puts your life into rather harsh perspectives. What did my brother do today? He stood up and fought for his country. What did I do? I made a paper mache lobster head.
0: I stood up to my secretary today who's been hitting on me non stop, except I had a huge boner so I had to sit back down. What, do what is this we're listening to? Joni Mitchell. I can't believe you still listen to Joni Mitchell.
4: I love her, and true love lasts a lifetime. Joni Mitchell is the woman who taught your cold English wife how to feel.
0: Uh, Did she? Because you still seem kind of cold, and it's not like this music is uplifting or conducive to romance. It's making me
3: soft. We cut back to 10 Downing Street in the Prime Minister's bedroom at night. He is quite giddy. As the Prime Minister dances to the Pointer Sisters, he runs into President Trump.
10: Boy, there is more excitement in here than a KKK rally, that I could tell you. <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: Hey, Mr. President, what are you doing here?
10: Well, after your rather moving speech, I thought maybe you could tell me how to motivate some of the Americans who think I'm doing a very poor job. Well, I'm pretty sure it's unrecoverable now. Well, I know, I'm just fucking with you. It's a total mess. Anyway, have you seen Jared? He's my ride home. Where the hell is he?
3: Oh, my God. Only two weeks to Christmas. Okay. Now we finally get to Colin Firth and Aurelia. Aurelia. (laughs) Yes. Where has he been? He found out his wife was cheating on him with his brother and apparently just moved to a farmhouse in France. Did you guys know it was in France? I love actually had no idea. Wouldn't it be great if you could find out your partner is cheating on you and you could just move and start over? And then, of course, not even to have to leave the house and just start dating your cleaning lady? Ah, dare to dream. Well, Jamie is typing away on what we used to call a typewriter. Now... Some of you young'uns probably don't know this, but a typewriter is a... Well, then, wait a minute. This isn't a period piece. I had a computer in the 80s. What's this idiot doing typing on a typewriter? <laughs> Whatever the reason is, his maid seems to love it because she, she seems only to clean wherever he is typing. She's like an annoying waiter who's hovering over your meal. Uh, <laughs> would you like the last croissant?
7: Muito obrigando, mas nada, something a uh, la cultura de latinas.
8: <laughs>
7: you are very fat, see, puppy.
8: <laughs> that's, uh, that's all right, more from me.
7: is no, comendo todo, very, very chubby, aggressively fat, yes.
8: I'm just very lucky I have a constitution where I never put on weight.
7: <laughs> you are hilarious, Colin Firth. <laughs>
3: <laughs> we cut to a few days later, Now Jamie has moved his entire typing operation to a lovely outside area overlooking a private lake. Aurelia comes out all the way from the house to bring him some tea. Did he order that tea, or is she just being more of a butler than a maid? And I wonder how much one of those hot butler maids costs, and what Jamie did for a living where he has that house, and I guess clearly just quit his job in which he says later he's not a writer, so where did he get all that money? Anyway, Aurelia, or whatever the fuck her name is, (laughs) takes the old coffee cup off the stack of papers, which was being used as a paperweight, as all of the papers suddenly blow away into the lake. Oh, no, no, hold on. God, it's half the book.
7: Que desastre.
8: Just leave them, please. (laughs) They're not important not worth it stop just stop it's all just rubbish just leave it
3: Aurelia turns over and jumps into the lake is what I would have said if that's what happened but in this movie she prances over to the lake and then begins to slowly remove her clothes piece by piece until she is in her bra and patties I'll wait (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, the classic let-me-take-my-librarian-cleaning-lady-hair-down-with-a-slow-seductive-head-turn-and-pivot. I mean, she may as well be doing the bend-and-snap from Legally Blonde the way she's teasing this guy. After a crazy afternoon, Jamie and Aurelia are sitting in the house, warming themselves under blankets and drinking tea. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know I'll name one of the characters after you. Talvos
8: (laughs)
7: Talvez você possa no um dos personas depois de... Something. La cultura de Latinas es muy interesante para mim. Or you could give me 50% of the profits, papi.
8: Mm. Or I could give you 5% of the profits?
7: You're Jewish, yes? <laughs>
8: <laughs> Did you just ask me if I was Jewish?
7: Que tipo de libro é esse? Judia. <laughs> <Get it.
6: laughs>
7: or is it uh, like a funny. <laughs> uh,
8: yes, it's, um, yes, crime, murder.
7: Ah, oh, see, si, papi. Uh, uh, si. S-
8: scary, yes, sometimes scary and sometimes not. Mainly scary. How bad the writing is, really.
7: Asustador. <laughs> or something. <laughs> I think I said that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Oh, yes. Again, my line, of
6: course.
7: (laughs) 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 I'd better get back to work, puppy. You know, whatever it is, just whoring around the house. And then later, Uh -uh. you can drive me home, see? It's the saddest part of my day, leaving you.
8: Sure, it's my saddest part of my day, too, because there's so much traffic.
3: (laughs) We cut to Jamie driving Aurelia home wherever the hell she lives, The two keep looking at each other while he's driving, which is worse than texting while driving. (laughs) We leave them and fade to the guy from The Walking Dead eating a bowl of cereal, enjoying his breakfast, when the doorbell rings. It's Kira Knightley bearing gifts. She's so hot for a girl.
4: Banoffee pie? No thanks. Thank God. You would have broken my heart if you said yes.
0: Right. Well,
3: lucky you. Ah, now I had to look this up. A banoffee pie is a big pie made from bananas, cream and toffee. It's a pretty hearty pie that has a bunch of cream on top. Now what I'm saying is that this asshole is trying to make a grand gesture to this guy she thinks hates her to try and get something from him by bringing him a pie uh, by but by bringing a pie for him, but there's This is one goddamn sentence. Sorry. (laughs) By bringing a pie for him, but there's only one piece left, and we are led to believe from her reaction when he says he doesn't want a piece that she's eaten the entire pie minus one slice. We already know it's breakfast time, which means this petite beauty has been walking around London shoving pie into her face... Like it's nobody's business for the past, say, hour and a half.
6: <laughs> One sentence.
0: Can I come in? Uh, well, I'm a bit busy, but I, I, you know, I, whatever. I was
4: just passing, and I thought we might check that video thing out. I thought I might be able to swap it for some pie, or maybe munchies.
0: What, what pie? You ate it all. And what munchies? A melted candy bar in your pocket? You suck. What? what, what what'd I, say? What'd I say? what I uh, say? Love, actually, I was being serious. I don't know where it is. I'll have a poke around tonight.
4: Mark, can I say something?
0: Sure, sure.
4: I know you're Peter's best friend, and I know you've never particularly warmed to me. Look, don't argue. We've never got friendly, but I just wanted to say, I hope that can change. I'm nice. I really am, apart from my terrible taste in pie.
0: And it would be great if we could be friends. My God, stop mentioning that pie! <laughs> Anyway, we probably won't be able to find the video, though. I had a real search when you first called, and I couldn't find any trace of it, so I... It's
3: Juliet looks not. through his VHS collection.
4: Let's see. Silkwood, Mask, Mermaids, Moonstruck... Why are they all share movies?
0: Don't comment on what you don't understand!
4: <laughs> oh, here it is. The one that says Peter and Juliet's wedding. Do
0: you think we might be on the right track? You you say you want to be friends. You can't tell I don't want to give you this tape.
3: I really hate you.
0: Do you mind if I... I, You know, I probably taped over it. Almost everything's episodes of Fuller House.
3: (laughs) Juliet goes over to the VCR and puts in the tape. Now, kids, a VCR stands for Video Cassette Recorder. It was a way to look at talking pictures in your own home.
4: Oh, bingo. That's lovely. Well done, you. Oh, that's gorgeous. Thank you so much. Mark, this is exactly what I was hoping for. I look quite pretty. You've stayed rather close, haven't you?
3: Finally, this numbnut gets it.
0: <laughs> They're all of me. Very observant, Jerkoff. I really don't know why I like you. You barge in with no weed, and already-eaten pie, rummage through my VCR collection, then all you do is talk about yourself for 20 minutes while you're watching yourself on video. This is you. Oh, look at me. It's exactly what I wanted. More footage of me. Wow, I look quite pretty. I'm so
4: great. But you never talk to me. You always talk to Peter.
0: You don't like you me. You never talk to me. You don't like me. Look, i got to get lunch. A very early lunch. Show yourself out
3: Let's go back to the prime minister's office Daytime
1: Any, hey, sweetie darling Dreamboat <laughs> I need you to do me a favor All right
7: of course, I just hope my kids don't get confused. Anything for the hero of the hour.
1: Hey, well, don't ask me why, and don't read stuff into this. You know, it's just a weird personality thing. But uh, hey, you know Natalie, who works here? Uh, the chubby girl. <laughs> uh, would we call her chubby?
7: Oh yes, of course. She's disgusting. <laughs> a real, true pig, you know. <laughs> Pretty sizable ass <laughs> <arse> there too. God's hand it to you. Ah, oh, those thighs! Ah, shit.
1: <laughs> well, hey, why don't you tell me how you really feel about it? Don't hold back. Well, she's sweet, though, don't you think? She's a monster. <laughs> well, I'm sure she's a lovely girl, but I wonder if you could uh, redistribute her.
7: Good thinking, sir. Redistribution before your harassment gets out of control. <laughs> Charlie Rose couldn't have done it
6: better. <laughs>
3: Liam Neeson's house, nighttime. Sam comes out of his room in his pajamas, distraught.
0: What's the matter, Samuel?
3: Can't sleep.
0: I got some terrible
5: news today.
0: <laughs> All right, let's have it. And I'll take care of the bastards that have harmed you.
5: It's about Joanna. Who the fuck is Joanna? <laughs> I, uh, that
0: girl that I love. Oh, right, right.
5: Joanna's going back to America.
0: Your girl's American. Those motherfucking electing that son of a... What? No, nothing. You were saying.
5: Well, yeah, she's American. and She's not my girl. She's going back to America. And that's the end of my life as I know it. Well, a little
0: over dramatic, are we? <laughs> well, we need Kate. And we need Leo. And we need them now. Come on.
5: molest me?
0: Your stepfather, it's all over porn.
5: <laughs> oh, right. Well, I don't get it. What's the point? Of, I can't. My accent keeps changing. Pip-pip. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
6: well,
5: <laughs> I, I don't get it. Is the point of this because Kate's British and Leo's American? No!
0: It's about lost love and to live for the moment. And in the end, there isn't just one person for each of us.
5: All I see is bad acting and special effects. If that was going to go for, I would have preferred watching The Matrix. (laughs) Now listen, old man. She's the one, and that's it.
0: Fair enough. And
5: the little girl's name is Johanna.
0: Yeah, I know. Same as Mum. Well, that's fucked up. (laughs) You tell Johanna. That's what happens when you sit behind a desk for too long. You forget things. Like having a gun that's loaded, and one that's not...
5: Uh, How's that now?
3: Good luck. (laughs) Well, that's Liam Neeson for you. Back to the Colin Firth story. Jamie is driving Aurelia home for the last time. But here's the thing where's her home? They have clearly mentioned he's driving her home, but it looks like he drops her off in the middle of Newark, New Jersey. (laughs) Where in the world is that location? And why doesn't he drop her off at her doorstep? If he's so in love with her, I mean, what an asshole. Anyway, after seeing the crusty old Billy Max sing, Sam gets an idea and runs home to Liam Neeson and his huge cock.
5: Daniel! I have a plan!
0: Thank the Lord! Tell me.
5: <laughs> well, girls love musicians, don't they? Uh-huh.
0: So...
6: <laughs>
5: even the weird ones get girlfriends it's
0: true Meatloaf definitely got laid at least once after a bout out of hell for God's sake Ringo Starr married a Bond girl
5: I have no idea what any of those references are
0: <laughs> alright well even Adam Levine has a girlfriend
5: <laughs> because Adam Levine is ridiculously hot why
0: wouldn't he oh yeah bad example uh, Well, even Sam Smith has a girlfriend. He's a gay. (laughs) A boyfriend.
5: He's not unattractive, just looks like the bird woman from Home Alone 2 is all. So,
0: what are you saying? There's no more unattractive singers anymore? Is that what it comes down to? No more Elvis Costellos, Mick Jaggers or Joey Ramones? Yeah, that's right. What's happened to the world? I'll be fine. It's the guys following us who are about to have a problem. When a dog has a bone, the last thing you want to do is try and take it away from him. Am I right? I don't think you should be watching me. <laughs> uh, this
5: is
3: Sam-o. So terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
5: There's a big concert at the end of the term and Joanna's in it. I thought if I was in the band and played superbly that
0: she might fall in love with me. What do you think? I think it's brilliant. I think it's stellar. Apart from the one obvious tiny little baby little hiccup.
5: (laughs) I don't play musical instrument.
0: Yes, sir.
5: The tiny insignificant detail...
3: It's the company Christmas party. I believe it is being held at Andrew Lincoln's art gallery, so there are paintings of naked people everywhere. What company is this, Miramax? It's a bloody Christmas miracle. Every executive is not in prison at this point. Everyone is drinking and having a decent time. It is not a rocking party. It's just a party. Alan Rickman... Had to bring his wife, and he's a little nervous about his secretary constantly parading around in her little Christmas devil outfit. Alan Rickman notices Mia's devil horns and does a weird laugh. Hmm.
4: I suppose I'd better do the duty round.
3: I, uh,
0: saints.
4: Any chance of a dance with the
0: boss? Uh, sure. Your boyfriend doesn't mind.
4: Not my boyfriend. I know he looks gay dancing around, but he's actually quite badass in walking dead.
3: The two head to the two head out to slow dance as Emma Thompson looks on. You're looking very
0: pretty tonight. It's for you. Sorry. It's all for you,
3: sir. Just then, Mike Damoni from Fast Times at Richmond High <laughs> comes out and warns Alan Rickman. I don't mind telling
0: you, Harry, that Mia's a very aggressive girl.
3: Back to the office during the day where Harry and Mia should get a room already. Right,
0: back at three, Christmas shopping. Never an easy or pleasant task. Are you going to
4: get me something?
0: Uh, I don't know, hadn't Thoughts? See you later.
4: Yes, looking forward to it a lot. All right, I get it. You're into me.
3: Cut to later on the street. Alan Rickman calls me up. Sir,
4: so, are you going to give
0: me something?
4: I thought I made it clear last night. When it comes to me, you can have everything.
0: Oh my god, this is so annoying. Why are we beating around the bush?
4: And speaking of bush, you can have that too. Oh!
0: <laughs> me too. <laughs> Went too far. Why, why, why do you need something along the stationary line? or your sort of staples?
4: No, I don't want something. I need... I want something I want. Something pretty.
3: Right, right. As he walks into the department store, Alan Rickman's wife pops up and he gives the worst unhappy to see anyone wave ever.
4: Sorry I'm late. I had to drop off Bernie at the rehearsal.
0: Uh, I, I, I wasn't doing nothing. I, I said his name is Bernie.
4: Right, listen. You keep yourself occupied for ten minutes and your cold English wife will do the boring stuff mothers do. Is it necessary
0: to keep saying you're my cold English
3: wife? This isn't helping. Alan Rickman walks up and looks around the jewelry counter as Rufus, the hapless jewelry salesman, pops up from underneath.
9: Looking for anything in particular, sir?
3: (laughs) Yes, that
0: necklace there, how much is it?
9: It's 270 pounds.
0: Oh, I'll have it.
9: Lovely. Would you like it, wrapped? That's all right. Lovely. Let me pop it in the box there. Look, can we be quite quick? Certainly, sir. Ready. In the flashes are flashes.
0: Uh, that's great.
9: Not quite finished.
0: I don't need a bag. I'll put it in my pocket.
9: Oh, this isn't a bag, sir. Really? No, this is much more than a bag.
0: All right, here we go. Oh,
9: what's that? It's a cinnamon stick, sir
0: <laughs> I I, 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 I just, Can we be quick about this, please?
9: Tish put the work of a the moment There we go, almost finished almost finished. Are you going to dip it in yogurt? Come here with chocolate buttons. No, sir. We're going to pop it into the Christmas box. But I don't want a Christmas box. But you wanted it gift wrapped. I did, but I... Don't worry about this. It's it's a final flourish. (laughs) Uh, Can I pay? All we need is a Sprig of holly. No,
3: no. No bloody holly.
9: But,
0: sir. Leave leave it. Just leave it.
3: Damn it. Here comes Karen again.
0: Loitering around the jewelry section. No, I was just looking around. I think he was looking at this necklace. Shut up. up!
4: Don't worry. My expectations are not that high. After 13 years of marriage, your cold English wife is still learning. Oh, my
0: God. Stop saying that.
4: My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Stop saying that
6: too!
3: Here we go, one week until Christmas. OMG. We cut back to Colin and Tony. Colin is coming in from the rain with a huge backpack.
9: Hey, what
3: are you doing here?
9: I had to rent out my flat to pay for my ticket. You're not actually going ahead with this stupid plan. I bloody am. Oh, no. I bloody am.
0: It's funnier this way. He bloody bloody is. <laughs> oh,
9: you think this backpack is full of clothes like hell it is it's chocolate block full of condoms <laughs> you'll come back a broken man yeah broken back from too much sex you're on the road to disaster no I am on shag highway heading west farewell failure America watch out here comes Colin for sale and he's got a big knob.
3: When Tony's at work, he's staring at the two naked people pretending to blow each other. So why is he so shocked his friend has a knapsack full of condoms? We are really into the gut of the film now and cutting furiously back and forth between the characters, Alan Rickman and his cold English wife watching their kids rehearse for the Christmas play, Sam furiously learning how to play the drums, of course, at this point, he only, he's only playing one note at a time. But apparently, in one week, he becomes... Neil Pert. Colin Firth is at an adult... One fucking sentence. Colin Firth is at an adult education Portuguese language class. What's he up to? And Colin... And his knapsack full of condoms are at the airport ready to go to Wisconsin. Let's zoom in full on his story as he enters what he calls a typical American bar in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
9: Like a Budweiser, please. King of beards.
5: Oh my god. Are you from England? Yes. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) Hi, I'm Stacy.
3: Stacy is ridiculously hot and hitting on Colin. Then she calls her friend January Jones over, who may be even hotter, standing at the jukebox as she does our favorite head-turning move from the movie Grease.
9: Oh, Jeannie. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. is uh, Colin Fischel.
7: Cute name. <laughs> I'm Jeannie. He he's from the England.
9: Yep. <laughs> yep. Basil Don. <laughs> oh. Wait till
7: Carol Ann gets here. She's crazy about black guys.
9: You mean English guys.
7: (laughs) Right, right, yeah. What did I I say originally? (laughs) Hey, girls. Carol Ann, come meet Colin. (laughs) He's from England. Well, step aside, ladies. This one's on me. Hey, gorgeous.
3: Later that night, the foursome moves to a booth. And are having the best time quizzing Colin on Britishisms.
5: Oh, that is so funny.
2: Wow. What do you call that? A bottle.
6: <laughs>
9: what about this? Epidermis.
6: Epidermis!
7: <laughs> what about this sauce?
9: Worcestershire.
6: What? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Ugh, that made us dry. Uh,
5: uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> okay. So,
9: where are you staying? I don't actually know. Uh, I'll just check into a motel, like in a movies. Oh,
5: my God. Oh, my God. This is so cute, Bobby, don't you know?
7: No, no, listen. This may be a bit pushy because we just met you, but why don't you just come back and sleep at our place and insert yourself inside of all of us?
9: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, it's not too much of an inconvenience.
7: Hell no, there's one problem. What? Well, we're not the richest of girls, you know. We have one little tiny bed and no couch. So you'd have to share with all three of us.
2: But mm. we do have
5: cheese. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but on this cold, cold <laughs> night, it's going to be really crowded and
7: sweaty and stuff.
5: And we can't even afford pajamas.
7: <laughs> <laughs> Which means we'd be naked. My chits are confused again.
9: No, 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 no. no. I think that will be fine. I'm Can we... Stop by a Wendy's or something beforehand.
7: And you know what's going to make
4: it even more crowded? Harriet. You haven't even met Harriet. There's a fort.
5: Oh, don't worry. You're totally going to like her because she's like the sexy
3: one.
9: Really? Whoa. Praise the Lord. Oh, and she's a Christian too.
3: (laughs) What the hell? I've been watching this whole scene is this scene really in the movie or did Harvey Weinstein sneak this part in? What the fuck kind of Christmas movie is this? Anyway, we now cut to the most depressing scene in the movie. We are at the home of Alan Rickman as he has just walked in while his wife was putting his coat away. She accidentally stumbled onto the necklace that was in his coat pocket, which she assumes is for her. But we... We know what happens when you assume, don't we?
4: One present only each tonight.
3: I'll
0: open this one. And a scarf. There's a card. Ah, yes, let me read it. Now I have a machine gun to ho, ho, ho.
4: I want to choose mine. I think I want this one.
3: Karen reaches for what she believes to be the box with the necklace.
4: I'm going to rip it.
3: Karen is shocked.
4: God, that's a surprise. It's a CD. Joni Mitchell. Wow.
0: To continue your emotional education.
3: Well, there it is, folks. The entire reason Dave Juskow is doing this production. To say that line. Let's hear it again, Dave. Can you read it o- uh, even slower? I can. All right. To continue
0: e- your emotional education.
3: Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. That's why Mr. we're all here. Potter. <laughs> Karen, trying to sound enthusiastic when her will to live has been crushed, not only by the ridiculous CD, but that emotional education line. What a dick.
4: Yes. Goodness, that's great.
3: My brilliant
0: wife.
4: Ah, yes. Love, actually. Do you mind if I just absent myself for a second? All that ice cream. I have horrible diarrhea. You know how my stomach acts up during the holidays. I'll be in there for hours.
3: Karen goes into her room and walks around To the extremely depressing Joni
6: Mitchell, and flows of angel hair, and ice cream castles in the air, and feather cannons everywhere. Looked at clouds that way. But now they only block the sun. They rain and they snow on everyone. So many things I would have done.
3: Well, it's finally Christmas Eve. <laughs> Billy Mac's song wins the big prize of being the number one holiday song. Our naked friends, John and Judy, are getting cozy as they say goodnight to each other after their first date. And now, two of the best scenes. Colin Firth comes into his mother's house, bearing two huge bags of gifts. His nieces and nephews are overly excited to see it.
4: Oh, look, everyone. It's Uncle Jamie.
3: Yes, so splendid. It's lovely to see you all. And
8: uh, I'm off. Love, actually.
4: But Jamie, darling...
8: Sorry, man's got to do what a man's got to do. I hate Uncle Jamie. I
1: hate (laughs) Uncle Jamie. I bloody hate Uncle Jamie.
3: Fun fact. Fun fact. Director Richard Curtis' brother's name is actually Jamie, and that's why he put this scene in the movie. That's it. That is epic. Okay. Here comes the classic. We're at the house of Kira Knightley and the guys whose name I can't pronounce. The doorbell rings. I'll get it. Oh my goodness. Oh, hi. Oh, oh my goodness. It's Andrew Lincoln at the door. Is he here to tell Kira Knightley he's moving to Terminus to live a nice, quiet life as a farmer, or is he here to profess his love? Kira opens the door. He motions for her to be quiet and shows her a sign that says, Say it's Carol Singers.
4: Who's Carol Singer? That's Carol Singer!
3: <laughs> Good thing Juliet opened the door. I wonder what his plan was if Peter opened it. He sets down his boombox and starts the playback.
0: luck. By next year, I'll be going out with one of these girls. A photo of iCarly and Ariana Grande from Victorious.
4: Hey, you sick fuck!
0: Oops. Sorry, I meant a photo of Kato. But for now, let me say... without hope or agenda. Well, actually, I have a huge agenda in my pants. hey (laughs) Just because it's Christmas, I'm still mad at you for eating that banoffee pie. By the way, here's what one looks like. In a bizarre boating accident. But that being said, to me you are perfect. Except I feel your Tantas were much larger in the Pirates of the Caribbean film.
4: Very observant, they were bigger.
0: Am I crazy or because in Bendit like Beckham they were, you know? Yeah, they were digitally enhanced. Ah. Heart will love you until you look like this.
3: After he finishes, Andrew Lincoln wanders off. Juliet gets her shotgun and shoots him in the head because it was quite clear he was infected. I mean, what normal human would pull this bullshit? We got to the home of Prime Minister. He is looking through Christmas cards because clearly he has nothing to do as Prime Minister. I think if you wanted to make his character sad, it would have been best to have him cook up a can of Chef Boyardee by himself over a hot pot like Fonzie in that Happy Days episode. That's always the most hilarious of sad when you're doing a person alone on Christmas. Ball drop.
4: Dear sir, dear David, Merry Christmas and I hope you're having a very happy new year. I'm very sorry about that thing that happened. It was a very odd moment, and I feel like a prize idiot. Particularly because if you can't see it at Christmas, when can you, eh? I'm actually yours. With love, your Natalie.
1: Hey, Jack! Yeah, I need a car right now. I'd like to go to Wandsworth.
3: The dodgy end! Very good, sir. Interestingly, in Notting Hill, also by the same writer-director, Hugh Grant says, Max, how fast does your car go? And then they're off in the same form of grand gesture. Harris Street, what number, sir? Oh, God, I got no idea. And it's the longest
1: street in the world.
3: So, the Prime Minister of Great Britain had someone working in his home, serving him food and drinks, but had no address for her and no one that could obtain it. The best line in the movie The American President was when Annette Benning asked the president how he found out where she lived, and he said he called the FBI. Classic. Anyway, the Prime Minister decides to start from the beginning of the long street and knock on everyone's door until he finds Natalie. He starts at house number one, where he encounters an old lady. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, does Natalie live here by any chance?
7: No, of course not.
1: Oh,
3: sorry to disturb.
1: (laughs) You're perfect.
7: Aren't you the Prime Minister?
1: (laughs) Hey, yeah, you know I am. Merry Christmas to you. No, part of the service now. Trying to get around everyone by New Year's.
3: The next home, number fifty-six, are a bunch of delightful little girls playing dress-up. Hey, hello. Uh, does Natalie live here? No,
1: she doesn't. Okay, all right, all right, easy. Are you singing carols? Oh uh, no, not really. Please, hey, sir, can I have some more? What do you mean uh, more, more? What do you mean more? Please. Well, I like your Oliver Twist reference, so okay.
6: Yay!
1: <laughs> Good King Wenceslas looked out on
0: On the feast of Stephen When the snow lay round about Deep and crisp and even Brightly shone
3: the moon that night The next home is number 100, which is Mia's Alan Rickman's secretary. Well, for such a dodgy area of town where an old woman, a sex pot, and three delightful little girls all live, I wonder what they consider slumming it is.
1: Hey, how you doing, all right? Sorry to disturb. Uh, I'm looking for Natalie. Is she around or what? No. Son of a bitch. She lives next door. Oh, brilliant. You're not who I think you are, are you? You're not fucking your boss, are you? (laughs) See, how do you like it? Now, Merry Christmas
3: to you. House number 101, where the door opens, a mass of folks, young and old, are getting ready to walk out. Hey, I'm looking for Natalie. Is she in? Natalie comes from upstairs with a serious potty mouth.
4: Where the fuck is my fucking coat? Oh, hello.
1: Hey, how you doing?
4: Um, this is my mom and my dad and my Uncle Tony and my Auntie Glynn.
1: Hey, you're all right. Good to meet you. Good to meet you.
4: And um, this is the Prime Minister.
0: Yes, we can see that, darling. Um, unfortunately, we're very late. It's the school Christmas concert you see, David. It's the first time all the local schools have joined together. Even St. Basil's, which is mostly kind of weird. Too much detail, Mum.
1: (coughs) How can we help, sir? Well, to be honest, I just needed Natalie on some state business. Oh, yes, why, right, of course.
5: Yes, well, perhaps you should come by later. Plumpy. I mean, um, Natalie. Um, please, listen, don't shag on her, please. You, you see, the girl next door is shagging her boss, so it would be really awkward if you were doing the same. That's why they call it the dodgy side of town.
1: Oh, now I get it. All right. Well, uh, I don't want to make you late for the concert.
4: No, it's nothing really. Keith
0: will be very disappointed. No,
4: really, it doesn't
0: matter. The octopus costume's taking me months. Eight is a lot of legs, Davy.
1: <laughs> uh, well, listen. Why don't I give you a lift, and then we can talk about this state business in the car? Okay. Lovely. Lovely.
3: Everyone piles into the motorcade of cars. Natalie, the prime minister, and eight-year-old octopus Keith are all in one car. We're going to Jersey.
6: What? <laughs>
1: Nothing. It's what I always wanted to say when I get into a car. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, I just wanted to say, thank you for the Christmas card.
4: You're welcome. Look, I'm really sorry about that day. I mean, I came into the room, and he slinked towards me, and there was a fire. And he's the President of the United States. And nothing happened, I promise. I just felt like a fool, because I think about you all the time. Actually, and... I think you're the man that I really...
3: Octopus Keith screams out that they've arrived as Natalie finishes her sentence. Love. Love? Hey, you love me?
1: Well, that's certainly a funny way of showing it. This is you. Oh, there's a fire, and he is the president. <laughs> I'm going to have lots of dignitaries in my office, you know. How do I know you won't be fucking one of them? I mean, if you got an eyeful of the Canadian prime minister? He's gorgeous. I can barely contain myself when I'm in the room. Little Octopus Keith screams out again. Shut up, you little brat. I'm finishing this. Well, love, actually. That's really all I had to say.
4: (laughs) Will you please come inside? I'll make out with you in front of the eight-year-olds.
1: Well, you make a pretty good case. What the hell? All right, Plumpy, let's go.
4: Please don't call me that.
0: Catch a falling
6: star and put it in your pocket. Save it for a rainy day. Catch a falling star and put it in your pocket. Never let it fade away. Never let it fade away. Never let it fade away. <laughs>
0: Hiller <laughs> uh, <coughs> School would now like to present their Christmas number, lead vocals by ten-year-old smoking hot. Jo- <coughs> I'm sorry, there came uh, from ten-year-old Joanna Anderson, uh, backing vocals coordinated by her mother, the great Mrs. Jean Anderson. Uh, <coughs> some of the staff have decided to help out, and for this, we ask you to forgive us.
6: Thank you.
5: Make my wish come true All I want for Christmas is you I don't want a lot for Christmas there is just one thing I need I Don't care about the presents Underneath the Christmas tree I won't even hang my stocking Through the court court for Saint Nick. I won't even stare away To those magic reindeer play. Cause I just want you for my own More than you will ever know, know. Come true now All I want for Christmas Is in You Wow! All the lights are shining So brightly, everywhere. brightly yeah. everywhere And the sun of children Laughs and fills the air Everyone Come on, you believe in the world, won't you play back and have to me? Oh, 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 oh. I don't wanna lie for Christmas. This is all I'm asking for. Oh, 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 oh. I don't want to see a fire.
3: the big number, the curtain behind everyone rises, only to see the Prime Minister making out with someone. Everyone in the audience praying it's not with a student. (laughs) But, thank goodness, it's only Natalie. Oh, not quite as secret as we'd hoped.
1: What do we do now? We give the public what they want. Take it off, Plumpy. Pardon? Well, you know what they say, only two things can ruin a politician's career. Being caught with a dead girl or a live boy but clearly grabbing someone by the pussy is all right. hey Good night, folks.
0: Sammy, fantastic show. Classic (laughs) drumming, son. I mean, you were drumming like Tommy Lee, and you've only had a week of practice. That's, like, real messed up.
5: Thanks. The plan didn't work, though. Tell her, then. Tell her what? That you love her. No way. Anyway, they fly tonight. Even better.
0: We need a plan.
5: Are oh, you saying a mad dash to the airport is always the way to profess your love? Yeah. Well, what the fuck, Dad? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go get the shit kicked out of us for love. I watch your mouth. Finally, some actually parenting going on. Thank you.
3: <laughs> ja- Jamie has said fuck it, too, and flown all the way to what we thought in the movie might have been Portugal, but in fact, it's Marseille, a portion of France with a small Portuguese community. Jamie ends up at Aurelia's home and meets her father while he tries to muster his way through broken Portuguese, which he's learned in a a month, just like Sam's drumming. This movie is weird. (laughs) Good evening, Senor Barros. I'm here to ask your
8: daughter for her hands in marriage. Oh uh, why you want to marry my daughter?
6: <laughs> yes. Uh, are you
8: sure?
5: Because of my daughter, she is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm not gonna say it in English because I think you're a mentor, but uh, <laughs> whatever. Uh, Sophia! <laughs> 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 Come here, there's a man at the door. He wants to marry you. <laughs>
7: But I'm scared, Papa. I've never seen this man before. Ah, who
5: gives a shit?
7: (laughs) You're going to sell me to a complete stranger.
5: Well, I mean, look at you, eh? I mean, come on. How much
8: shall I I ask you to pay, sir? (laughs) Uh, Pardon me, uh, I'm meaning your other daughter, Aurelia.
5: Oh, oh my God, that is hilarious. (laughs) That doesn't make much more sense. (laughs) Okay, okay, Uh, she's not here. Uh, She's at work, I take you, eh? Uh, You, you stay here.
7: No, (laughs) yeah, right, screw that, I'm coming.
5: It's the disrespect is the reason you are not married.
7: You keep calling me fat and disgusting, it makes me feel sad.
3: (laughs) Fine, we're both at fault. (laughs)
6: Okay.
3: Colin Firth, the father, and Sophia all set off to see Aurelia. As they walk through the town, they pick up people who are curious to what's happening along the way.
7: Father is about to sell Aurelia as a slave to this Englishman. (laughs) You better not say yes, Papa.
5: Shut up, Mr. Duncan Donut 2003.
3: (laughs) There sure is a heck of a lot of fat shaming in this chick flick. Damn. Let's cut back to the Heathrow. Let's cut back to Heathrow, where Sam is about to make a serious true love gesture of his own. If he can catch Joanna before her flight leaves. Security at the gates is unfortunately making things complicated.
5: Look, we're not actually flying. Yes, but you can't come through.
0: Not even to let the boy say goodbye to the love of his life, you rat bastard.
5: Well, I guess if you put it like that, No.
0: I'm sorry, Sam.
5: Yeah, I guess that's it. Well, what's you going to do, right?
3: Just then, Mr. Bean comes in to distract the gate man. Do you want to make a run for it?
0: You, you think I should? Absolutely. I see no flaws to this plan. And technically, since I'm not your real father, I don't see how it'll affect me in the least.
3: Sam sneaks through the gate unnoticed and then he runs through the security check where the inept TSA guards can only grab his coat. He runs through the airport at top speed with a security in hot pursuit. How does he even know where he's headed? Did you know how to get to a gate at an airport by yourself when you were 13? Anyway, he finally arrives in a... the graduate-like window above Joanna and her mother who are beginning to board. He screams at the window, Joanna! But she can't hear him. He runs downstairs where... Fortunately, the boarding attendants are once again distracted by Billy Max getting naked on TV so he can jump all over the rail and finally talk to the love of his life. But unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, Sam is shot and killed by Interpol. As he lay dying on the ground, Joanna looks at him and says, You white people are (laughs) cray-cray. Back to Marseille. An Aurelia's restaurant. What a beautiful restaurant in what seems to be such a piss poor town. Mr. Barros, Sophia, Colin Firth, and half the town are greeted by a very pithy proprietor. Uh, where is li-li-li-li-li-la?
0: Why should I tell you? Uh,
5: because this man I want to marry her. He
3: can't do that. She's our best waitress. Aurelia appears at the top floor dining area carrying out her tables of food. Uh, the entire restaurant stops what they're doing, as once again, Jamie tries his best at speaking Portuguese. A boa noite, Aurelia.
7: Boa noite, Jamie.
8: Beautiful, Aurelia. I've come here with a view
3: to asking you to manage me. And a noid customer speaks out.
1: With dress, can I get some pepper? <laughs>
8: I know I seems an insane person because I hardly knows you but sometimes things are so transparency they don't need mm. evidential proof and I will inhabit here or you can inhabit it with me in England <laughs>
7: Definitely go for the Eng- sorry I'm supposed to change mics or Jessica yell at me okay um, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely go for the England girl I'm the ugly sister now you'll meet <laughs> You'll meet Prince Harry, and then you can marry him instead. I mean, you don't think he's honestly going to go through with marrying that actress from Suits, do you? She is from the TV show called Suits. For Christ's sake, it's embarrassment. A prince should marry someone from the Big Bang Theory, at least.
8: Of course, oh, I don't oh. expecting you to That's be as crazy. foolish as me. And of know. course, I uh, prediction you say no. But it's Christmas and I just wanted to check.
1: Is there anyone else working here? Uh-huh. I thought you said, this was your best waitress. <laughs> Thank
7: you, that would be nice. I'm the more attractive sister now. <laughs> the heinous one is here. Yes is being my answer. I will marry you. Easy question.
3: The place erupts with applause. (laughs) Aurelia comes down the stairs. Even the annoyed customer is overcome with joy. My food is (laughs) cold. I hate you all. (laughs) You learned English?
7: I did. See, Papi? Just in cases. (laughs)
3: Well, they were all very sad at the loss of their friend, but they realized that the best thing to do is get the woman back to Christmas town. So they all <laughs> Well, they were all very sad at the loss of their friend, but they realized that the best thing to do is get the women back to Christmastown. So, they make it back, and when everybody hears their story, they start to realize maybe they were a little hard on the misfits. Maybe misfits have a place, too. Even Santa realizes that maybe he was wrong.
10: All right,
0: Hermy, you can open up a dentist's office next week after Christmas. I want to be a dentist. Now open your mouth. Oh, dear. I'll
3: set up an appointment for you a week from Tuesday, 4.30 sharp. You see, the ending of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is just as endearing as anything else when you add the song God Only Knows to it.
6: If you should ever leave
3: me the life was still go on, believe me The world would show nothing to me
6: So why good would be God only
3: knows what i be without you but our story ends a year later when all the characters end up at heathrow airport alan rickman is coming from somewhere and greets his wife tepidly joanna comes in for sam's funeral and his dad is allowed out of prison where child services puts him after demanding his son break through the security at the airport and Colin Thistle comes back with Denise Richards, who practically blows his friend Tony upon arrival. And, worst of all, the Prime Minister comes in seemingly on a commercial flight for some reason. And Natalie runs up to him like Jack Ruby to Lee Harvey Oswald. And no one's nervous about it. Then Hugh Grant lifts her up and says, Gold you way a lot and that brings us to 14 years after the movie was made and the harvey weinstein world we live in today let's look at the premises one more time billy Mack is an obvious sexual predator colin virth ends up having sex with his maid Liam Neeson insists on helping his 12-year-old son get laid. Hugh Grant, the Prime Minister, ends up having sex with his assistant. Alan Rickman is cheating on his wife and having sex with his secretary. Judy agrees to marry John after meeting on a sex film. And, the, and best of all, in the triumph of triumph of all-male fantasies, the disgusting Colin Thistle has sex with four girls he met in a random bar in Milwaukee. Just like he planned. So, I guess there's only one thing you can say to that God bless the UK and plumpy Mariah Carey What do you say, Mateo? One more time
6: I don't need to hang
3: my
5: stocking they're upon the fireplace I won't even oh, say away oh, to those oh, oh, magical oh, reindeer play, Cause I just want you for my own More than you will ever know Make my wish come true, oh,
0: You're in Manhattan, Sophia Sabra, Patrick regular of the CW Network in Washington, D.C., Mateo Lane, what? Come on, Inside the Closet Live, San Francisco Sketchfest of January 12th, Rachel Feinstein. He's you here April 19th and the 21st of the year in Tempe, Arizona, Russman Eve. Be around the corner this weekend of the original Comedy Cellar, Dan Natterman week on the Comedy Cellar radio show on Sirius except Colin Smith, a one-man band. I'd like to thank Liz Fiorati, Nathan on lights and memo on the sound and of course Joe Mackey. I'm Dave Juskow. Thank you everybody for coming. We will
6: see you in March for Goodfellas!